We're going to start here on B-Shape Daily by talking about the Miles Michaels situation, the ejection from the game on Thursday, which basically in the first inning, Michaelis gets run from this game for hitting Ian Happ with a pitch. Two outs into the ball game. And when that happened, the Cardinals basically lost the game right then and there. There was no competitiveness left in this team because you had just an uphill climb with a bullpen that just isn't it this year. The Cardinals don't have that kind of bullpen. You can give credit to Dakota Hudson, if you'd like, for gritting through five innings when he didn't really expect to pitch. I mean, he basically threw the equivalent of a starter's workload tonight on a day where he certainly was not anticipating having to do so. I think he threw like 93 pitches, but he gave up like five runs. He didn't do a great job. Game was out of hand from the very beginning after the Michaelis ejection. A lot to get to from that. We'll hear from Miles Michaelis for a couple minutes straight of his audio after the game because I think it's worthwhile. And we'll sort of reflect on what was a topic on social media that I think around baseball, people are looking at the Cardinals and saying, the Cardinals are in the wrong on this one. And I'm going to push back on that to some extent, but I will explain what I think Miles Michaelis did wrong in this entire thing. And if they wanted it to go differently, he could have done something differently from an execution standpoint. And the umpires could have done something differently as well in the way that they explained. And they did so to Derek Gould, the pool reporter tonight, explain why there was no warning there after the first pitch. That's something I want to make sure to talk about tonight. But then for the YouTube crowd, you're going to want to find the other video because I'll be posting to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You won't have to worry. This entire podcast will be one long thing. But for the others, if you're on YouTube, find the video. I think I'll be posting this one around 8 a.m. when it comes to the Nolan Arenado rumors that persist for the St. Louis Cardinals and apparently the Los Angeles Dodgers after the L.A. Times piece that came out I suppose, earlier Thursday. That's when everybody saw it anyway. And I've got some thoughts about the reporting and kind of what it means as we sift through. Is there a chance the Cardinals would trade Nolan Arenado? Well, you'll hear about my thoughts on that topic tonight on B-Shape Daily because those rumors have certainly gained some extra smoke when you factor in a publication like the LA Times speaking on it, reporting on it, writing on it with some detail. So I'll give you all my thoughts on what I think it means and what Cardinals fans should expect. And that'll be in a separate video on YouTube. Like I said, I'll post it. My plan is to have that posted at 8 a.m. So if you're one of the early morning folks on the YouTube side, you'll have this video and then 8 a.m. the Arenado stuff will drop. If you want to catch it right when you wake up on Friday morning, it'll all be on Spotify in one long episode. But let's go ahead and start with the Michaelis conversation because this really did screw the Cardinals. Was it kind of dumb for Michaelis to hit Ian Happ? Maybe. Did he have to do it? Not necessarily. I understand why he did it. Retribution for the injury to Wilson Contreras as Ian Happ Went a little crazy with the backswing, which is something that's happened to Contreras a couple times this year. This was not the first time, but he said it never happened like this, and he got clocked pretty good on the backswing by Ian Happ. Top of the first inning, blood gushing down. 
Contreras ultimately leaves the game. Andrew Kisner takes his spot. Nice night by Kiz, by the way. A couple of home runs in this one. He's now up to eight on the season. His first multi-home run game in the big leagues. And I believe one of five catchers in MLB history to not start a game but hit two home runs in that game. So good for Kiz. Nice to see he was exuberant talking about the game despite the 10-3 to loss for the Cardinals. But he deserves some moments like that. Kiz has kind of uh, taken the brunt of a lot of criticism at times, and I have maintained that that's not really fair. He is kind of the heartbeat of the team in a lot of ways. I don't think people totally recognize the contributions he brings. But nevertheless, Kisner had to come in because of Contreras' injury. Now, Contreras' status. Let's get to that first and foremost because we did talk to him after the game. He said he did see the stuff with Michaelis thereafter on TV once he got finished with the doctors and things like that. And I asked him if he was surprised to see the way it all unfolded, and he admitted that he was, but wanted to leave maybe the more inflammatory comments up to Miles Michaelis if he should choose to make them. But he did express that he appreciated when guys have his back. That's something that's meaningful to Wilson. But his status is that he's hopeful to be in the lineup for Friday, and he was walking around in the clubhouse Thursday night with a hockey-style catcher's mask that had a little more protection and padding on the back of the head, which is kind of, he got hit on the side slash back of the head and had the blood gushing down, said uh, they they sewed it up with, well, not sewed it up, but they closed it up with glue. They glued it shut, did not need stitches. He was, I think, maybe a little worried about the hairdo, wanted to make sure didn't need stitches, which I don't blame the guy. I wouldn't want stitches on the, the top of my hairline either but said, hey, they told me glue would work, so if that does the trick, I don't need stitches. That's the way we want to go. So glued shut. He seemed to be in as good a spirits as you could expect for a guy who just got clocked by a bat and his team lost 10-3 to and they kind of aren't any good and all of those things. But uh, Contreras did seem to believe that Friday back in the lineup could be a possibility, passed all the concussion tests and things like that. So no worries on that front for Wilson. And then we get into the meat of the moment as it unfolded. So there's a a little quick hug between Contreras and Ian Happ, who again are former teammates with the Cubs, longtime teammates there in Chicago. Wilson said he knew there was no ill will there, wasn't intentional, obviously on the backswing that caught Wilson Contreras. But they have that little moment, and they're talking on the radio broadcast. I'm still on the way into Bush Stadium at this point. But they're talking on the radio broadcast about the nice sportsmanship of it all. Well... That's kind of a bad look when you think about what happened next. Miles Michaelis, and of course, I've gone back and watched all of this and am fully aware of the way it broke down. But Miles Michaelis throws inside on Ian Happ on the next pitch, and that was kind of like, oh, is that kind of a warning shot? Maybe just getting the point across. You might throw up and in just to kind of say, hey, man, I know what you did wasn't intentional, but this is kind of part of the game, right? The, the Hammurabi code, the unwritten rules, eye for an eye is kind of the way I think Miles Michaelis was approaching this. Now, you'll hear in his audio that I play here momentarily that he did not cop to it. He did not say it was intentional. He had his own explanation for what it was. You can hear it and let me know if you believe it. But ultimately, the second pitch that he throws after the Contreras delay gives Andrew Kisner some time to get the gear on and everything. First pitch inside, a little bit up, honestly. Probably a better thing that it didn't hit Ian Happ because it might have been kind of closer to the shoulder area rather than where you want to do it if you're going to do it, right? If you're going to hit the guy, do it below the belt, do it on the backside, do it on the back, on the hip. And the next pitch, sure enough, Miles Michaelis 
in a delivery that looked so deliberate in terms of, I am going to aim this right at your ass. and <laughs> I'm going to throw this ball and uh, it's going to hit you in the buttocks. It was a hit by pitch and the umpires convene and throw Miles Michaelis out of the game. Now, if you were watching on the, the Bally Sports Midwest side or listening on the Cardinals radio broadcast, you were certainly taken aback. And maybe that colors my view as this is happening because I am getting into my parking spot and immediately pull up MLB TV to watch back what took place. But they are losing their minds on the radio side. Rick Horton was basically just as soon as he got the words out of his mouth to say, now this probably ends it. The umps are going to convene and probably give him a warning. But this ends it. Obviously, nothing intentional by Ian Happ, but that's just the nature of the game. You got to have your guys back. And so he hits him on the butt, is what it is. Seems like we're about to move on here. And then next thing you know, nope, ejection, pandemonium, TV broadcast. Brad Thompson was irate. I mean, in the moment, I just think it took folks on the Cardinals side so much by surprise to say, look, everybody in the stadium knew what this was. There was no pretense about it obviously miles michaelis in the audio afterwards is not going to say i did it on purpose and whatever else he could say that could elicit a fine from mlb he's going to toe the party line the marshawn lynch move i'm just here so i don't get fined and say the right things but everybody in the stadium knew what that was once that second pitch hit ian happened and that honestly was probably the the problem that miles michaelis dug his own hole and uh, had to kind of kind of sit in it while they poured the dirt over him. Because if you don't get that first shot and make it count, at that point, the umpires are going to be like, all right, look, the first one, which according to Derek Gould from the, the pool report, he talked to the umpires. It's the way they do this. Umpires never have to talk on camera, never have to talk on video. The audio, you know, there's no audio recording to play for you of what the umpiring crew had to say about the whole thing. And I was expecting Derek to, uh, he said he was going to type that up and send it out to the other reporters. I haven't seen it from Derek, but it, it just may be something he's still working through as I'm doing this recording now. But he did mention, as we were kind of in the clubhouse there waiting around, said that the umpires didn't feel that the first pitch warranted a warning because it wasn't maybe close enough for them to know for sure like there is intent here. Which is interesting to me because if their argument about the second one is, hey, we convened, which they evidently have to do. They can't throw them out of the game without everybody coming to meet together in the umpiring crew, make sure they all saw the same thing. That's a rule, evidently. When a tent is assumed, that's the way that they're supposed to to do this, which I guess doesn't make a lot of sense to me because a lot of times you see the very inflammatory home plate umpire throwing a guy out right immediately after the HBP. But also, you normally see a warning come beforehand. Once there's a warning, then I think that takes it out of it. But without the warning, I think is the way Derek was explaining it, you have to convene as an umpiring crew. Make sure everybody saw the same thing. I think that makes sense, honestly, to have a rule like that. But it was a little bit confusing because nobody anticipated, at least on the Cardinals' side, that he was about to be thrown out of that game. It's interesting going back in Van Hickelstein, a great Twitter account that oftentimes posts video and audio from opposing team broadcast. The Cubs TV broadcast uh, with John Shambi, they completely seem to expect that Michaelis might be tossed from the game. As they're talking about it, they said, yeah, the umpires are convened here. I wouldn't be surprised if he was ejected. And it's like, 
it's just so interesting because everybody from the Cubs side and and I think baseball side in general, because people love to hate on the Cardinals, are going to say anybody who's telling me that that Michael has deserved to stay in this game, man, they're a Cardinal homer and ridiculous to think that he he threw at a guy. I can't believe he would do such a thing. Ejection immediately. And it's like, I'm even seeing some Cardinals fans with some crazy takes about how, you know, they totally agree that it should be an ejection for Michael is there. And what do you expect? I kind of agree with it. If your take is that because he didn't hit him with the first pitch, the second one can't happen or the umpires are going to basically say, we can't be blind to it. Like clearly the first one was close and the second one was the epitome of what you would do if you were trying to hit a guy. And so they felt like, I think the interpretation from the umpiring crew is that they felt like their hands were basically tied after the second one, after the one that actually hit him. But if you're, if you're using the first pitch to sort of draw conclusions about the second one, I think it's ridiculous to say you couldn't have given a warning. I think it was negligent of the umpiring crew not to warn him after the first one, because honestly, I think it does end there. I don't think he's going to try and get himself tossed from the game he threw the picture-perfect, hit-a-guy-in-the-butt kind of hit-by-pitch that you're just sending a message, and it's lame as hell. I'm not going to say it's not lame, and the Cardinals didn't come away from this looking all too rosy, especially after Jack Flaherty's chirping and the Cubs' dugout is basically laughing at Flaherty and Michaelis. Michaelis seemed to do, like, the, the too-small gesture. I don't even know what it was, but Michaelis was chirping. And after the game, you'll again, I'll play the, the Michaelis audio, he basically said, you know, that's just the chirping. Their dugout, totally get it. I get ejected. They want to have something to chirp about. I'd be the same guy on the top step if if the roles were reversed. And it's just some mild chirping that is just part of it. And that's baseball. Like, I don't think that was anything that anybody anticipated would get any deeper. But when you involve Jack Flaherty in it, and then Miles Michaelis is doing it from the field, and Ollie Marmel then has to come in and get in between Jack Flaherty and the first base umpire, that's the way that Marmol got ejected was kind of trying to break that up between Flaherty, which is weird to me because it makes a lot more sense to go ahead and let Flaherty get ejected. What's it, what's going to happen? I guess he could get suspended or something being that he was not involved in the game and, and had like a leg up over the, the dugout to potentially get onto the field. And maybe that was something that Marmol was trying to prevent from happening. Um, I think any suspension he would serve would be on a different team. Honestly, though, because I don't think Flaherty's on this team past August 1st, but it was just a lot of weirdness all coming down. And like I said, the Cardinals don't look too good coming away from that. Cub dugout is laughing at you. You're about to get your asses handed to you because Dakota Hudson's not going to be able to hold serve. Andrew Suarez threw 45-plus pitches again tonight after throwing 45 pitches in last night's game because the Cardinals have no other choice. I would go ahead and expect him to be sent to Memphis Expect that transaction around three o'clock on Friday afternoon. Like it was just a just a bad game in the midst of a bad season for the Cardinals. But I really do feel like this one was over before it ever got started. And the umpires, they took the result of the game and, and put it in their hands with this move. Yes, we all know what what it was for Miles Michaelis. It was intentional. But he did it in such a way that I thought maybe that, you know, that's just the nature of the game and everybody kind of understands. Hell, Ian Happ understood. He didn't have any problem with it. He took his base. He was going to let it go. That was going to be the end of it. Don't tell me that the intent of Ian Happ, and this was a lot of Cubs fans talking, and so if if it wasn't a ton of Cardinals fans with this mindset, then I'm, I'm maybe talking to the wrong people because 
Cardinals fans listen to this podcast. Cubs fans don't. But like for Cubs fans or for whoever was saying it, say, well, he didn't mean to hit Wilson Contreras. That's like a ridiculous childish argument. It does not. The intent is irrelevant. It's very much a standard thing to try and send a message or to at least let it be known that it's like, hey, you, you know, you got our guy. You didn't mean to, but you are going to have to wear one as a result. That is so standard. It's been the way baseball has worked for so long. And I I don't know if I want to get on the soapbox and say everybody's being soft because they had a problem with this. It just seemed like so benign of a way to, to do it and to hit a guy that everybody universally who's seen a baseball game in their life was like, yeah, okay, that's what that was. But to have it impact the outcome of the game by Miles Michaelis being ejected in that moment and the Cardinals whole bullpen has to throw eight and two thirds or eight and a third at that point, that's where it's just like, all right, this is ridiculous. What are we doing here? But some people didn't have that take. Let me know in the comment section below on YouTube, whether you thought this was a legit ejection for Miles Michaelis or whether you blame the umpires to say, all right, well, they took, they took the game and basically put a stop to it from the very beginning of the top of the first inning. Like there was no chance that you were going to see Dakota Hudson keep the Cubs lineup down for five innings when he didn't even expect to be pitching in the game to begin with. So I don't know. I think the umpires could have given Miles Michaelis a warning if they were going to have an issue with the idea of him getting hit. But I think the fact that he, I'm going to assume that he missed with his first pitch to Hap after the injury to Contreras. I'm going to assume that that was just a whiff. And you could see him kind of in the TV broadcast showing the umpires his hands. Basically, is he saying it was he was slippery it was too sweaty, and so he that's what it was. Um, I thought about asking Michaelis that exact question, but I thought that is such a clown question to even ask because everything he's saying is a lie anyway, so why should I allow this kind of circle jerk to continue any longer than it has to? He's going to have to say his thing about, oh, it's not, it wasn't intentional, and then you, we all get to move on with our lives. I, I was in the moment thinking about, do I ask the question? And I was like, there's literally no point. Because whatever he's saying is not what actually happened. So why do we need to do this charade longer than a couple of minutes? But let me just go ahead, since I've teased it for long enough, and give you Miles Michaelis' words. Again, as you hear this, I don't believe what he's saying, but I do think it is what he needed to go ahead and say to kind of let it die, let the issue go to rest, and avoid any sort of suspension or fine from MLB thereafter. I have no problem with what Miles Michaelis was saying in his role, in his position, he goes the Marshawn Lynch route, as you'll hear. But at the same time, you do maybe get a little bit of insight into his thoughts on it. But I don't think you get a whole lot of genuine insight because until the point where he would say, yep, I hit him on purpose because that's the way baseball be, uh, that's when I think you really have, would have gotten some genuine insight. But here's Miles Michaels after the game. And let me know what you think of Miles's thoughts in the comments section below on YouTube. Were you surprised when you got tossed? What was your reaction uh, yeah, you know, I was a little surprised. Um, you know, I, you know, threw a pitch inside. You know, it got him, and uh, you know, he was just—he was just going to take his base. You know, there was there was no chirping or anything um, between sides. He was going to take his base, and I was waiting on on the next ball, go get the next hitter, and um, you know, they had a meeting and, and decided to toss me. If there was intent, if, and they mentioned the previous pitch, right? Would you think a, a warning would have been issued at that point? Yeah, you know. You know, I could trade this guy before my locker. Uh, you know, I threw inside to a lot of guys. Um, you know, I threw it inside and it hit him. And, you know, there was no warning. And, 
um, you know, the umpires can believe what, whatever they want to believe. They had a meeting, and you know that was their choice. Miles, what was communicated to you after you were ejected, and the reasoning why? Um, you know, they they believe that um, that there was intent there, and that was you know that's that's all the reasoning um, umpires need. Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's entitled to you know see what happens and, and make their own decisions, and you know have their own opinions and. Uh, that was theirs. Well, there's a code of conduct in this game that you defend your teammates, you know, without saying whether you're trying to hit him or not, but is it important to stand up for your teammate after he gets hit in the head like that? Well, um, you know, in any circumstance, um, you know, I've got I've got Wilson's back. He's my catcher. Uh, you know, I consider him a really good friend now. You know, any single one of these guys, um, you know, in this locker room, um, I, I go to bat for 100%. Um, so, you know, that's something I think, you know, we as a team believe in is just, you know, always having each other's backs. And um, I guess that's what the umpires thought I was doing, but, you know, and it's unfortunate that um, that there was no warning or, or anything like that. What was the reaction from the um, Cubs dugout to you guys and you take exception to? Uh, say the question again? So what was the reaction that you guys heard or saw from the Cubs dugout that you seem to take exception to? Uh, I mean, they were, you know. They were they were chirping at us. They were jawing at us. Um, you know, as as the way I look at it, uh, to be honest, is you know, anytime someone hits someone on our team, I'm on the top step yelling at them. I mean, that's your right as an opposing team is, and it's you know, I don't believe it's really anything ever malicious. It's just you know, we're out there playing. We're trying hard. You know, you're you're all amped up for a game, and it's fun to get on the top step and you know have a reason to kind of chirp at the other team and, you know, just kind of chirping back and forth. No no big deal. I don't think there's any ill will or anything like that. So there's Miles Michaelis after tonight's game. He only recorded two outs in the game before he was ejected when he hit Ian Happ. I get that if you're looking at the letter of the law of the rules, if the umpires can determine with 100% certainty that you were intentionally hitting a batter, the rules say you got to leave the game. I just feel like there is some room for interpretation, and you you rarely see it enforced that way, especially when, you know, the umpires kind of get it. Wilson Contreras made a comment that I thought was really interesting. Now, I, I don't know 100% exactly where this came from, if it was from conversations with Michaelis or what it was, but he said something to the effect of when two of the umpires come to you and say, hey, you did it the right way, but, you know, you still did it and we know you did, so you got to go, then you know it's kind of messed up. That was one of the comments made by Contreras, and I thought that was kind of interesting. It didn't get followed up on with Michael as specifically as you heard there, but that is sort of the implication. It was kind of interesting. We were at Contreras's locker, and then toward the end of this clip, I'll go ahead and play it from Contreras where I ask him about it and you hear the answer. He sort of starts to trail off because he sees Michaelis on the other side of the clubhouse and he basically says, you know, he, he'll answer it. I, I've kind of said what I want to say, but you guys can go talk to Miles now. But here was Wilson Contreras. You'll hear the question from me and then his answer as to whether he was kind of surprised to see the way everything unfolded after his departure. Were you surprised at all by seeing the, the ejections and the things that followed? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think that was, I'll say, I'll put it this way. I think that was really tough, especially starting a game. And they threw, they threw Michael out. I get it, they thought it was on purpose, but when you have one or two umpires coming up to you, they say that he did the right thing, and he did it well, but he have, 
you have to be out it doesn't make sense to me um i feel like i don't know you it's a it's a tough it's a tough crew right there so he's just gonna answer those questions so this is wilson Contreras after thursday night's cardinals lost to the cubs 10 to 3 cardinals fell to chicago and Contreras leaving that game early with the head injury michaelis was then ejected kind of stepping in to to have Contreras' back by throwing up and in on Ian Happ and then hitting him in a very safe and reasonable way, I thought. But there are some out there who would say, you can't hit a guy on, on purpose no matter what. That's childish. That's barbaric. All these things. To those people, I would say, give me a break. Lighten up a little bit. This is the nature of the game. It's gone on for 100 years just fine. Yes, just because you've done it for 100 years doesn't mean you should still do things the same way. Society develops and changes and maybe you lose the need to do things like that anymore. So that's why I'm saying like, I can see both sides of it. I can see the side of it that says Michaelis shouldn't have needed to have done it, but I can also see the side of it. It's like, that's baseball and nobody had a problem with it until you eject the pitcher. But the Cubs broadcast was all over it and said, I think he's going to get ejected. There's no reason to have done that. No reason to, to go intentional on a guy, but I don't know. I didn't have a problem at all with Michaelis doing it, but I think from a competitive standpoint, you could make the case that he kind of lost the forest for the trees. Like, if you're still the Cardinals trying to go out there and win ball games right now, that wasn't the way to go about it and do it. But I really do think nobody with the Cardinals expected that to have been the result. Because, again, wasn't even given a warning for it the first time, and so he just aims and points it right at the, uh, the behind of Ian Happ on the second attempt and got him square on that one. But it was kind of like, the, I got the sense from the umpires, and I still have not seen the pool report, so I can't give you that specifically other than kind of the way it was relayed from Derek when we were chatting about it in the Cardinals clubhouse. But it's just one of those things where it's like we all know what it is, and when you do it the second time, it kind of does make it look like we can't turn a blind eye to that. That How's that going to look on the umpiring crew if everybody in the stadium knows it was intentional and there's technically a rule about that and you don't do anything about it. I think personally, I think without the first one, I don't think this, the second one gets him ejected. Like if he just throws the pitch that hits him, I think it's done there and he doesn't get tossed, but that's where the inconsistency from the umpires come in because if they would admit that to be true, which I don't know if they did or even would admit that to be the case, but they did say regarding the not giving a warning after the first pitch that it wasn't close enough to be known for sure that it had intent behind it on that particular pitch. But again, if that's true, then you shouldn't be able to use that pitch to color your opinion on whether the second one had intent. So kind of a squirrely situation there a little bit. I feel like the umpires were negligent in not just calling it when they probably had a pretty good idea what was going on after the first one. They could have put a stop to it because Michael is not, would not have put the Cardinals in a situation to where he could have been ejected from the game if he thought that was even remotely a possibility based on what he was doing in that spot. So I think if he ends up being more effective with the first get you pitch and he gets him on that one, I think the umpires probably let it go there. But there's no plausible deniability anymore when you do throw in on a guy and then the next pitch hits him. It was a very harmless way to do it. But it is what it is. Michaels gets ejected. The Cardinals lose the game almost directly as a result. I don't think there was anything they could have done to keep it in at that point. Dakota Hudson just didn't have it. Uh, Andrew Suarez, I mean, the 10-3 to was the final score of this game. So I think it could have maybe played out differently had Michaelis been available for it. He looked sharp in the couple of batters that he did face before the Hap situation unfolded. But let me know again in the comments section below on YouTube what you think. 
and subscribe to this channel if you like Daily St. Louis Cardinals conversation. But we will use this opportunity as the segue into getting into our Nolan Arenado conversation here. The Los Angeles Times staff writer Jorge Castillo puts out an article, a report on Thursday that circulates, and I saw lots of Los Angeles-based writers sort of pumping it out into the Twitter sphere, make sure that everybody got a chance to see it. And it kind of flies in the face of a lot of what we've been saying about the Cardinals and Nolan Arenado. The headline of this article, Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers, question mark, Cardinals-Dodgers have had trade talks. So I'm going to utilize this article for a lot of what we're talking about because it's the basis for the reason we're even discussing the Arenado Dodgers stuff again in the first place. We did a podcast within the past week, I think. It's been a few days, but it hasn't been that long where we talked about this because the rumors were still kind of circulating a little bit. And this is the most concrete that anybody has gone out and put their name behind in terms of legitimacy as to some traction maybe between the Cardinals and Dodgers on an Arenado deal. And so tonight I'm going to read from the article and try to pinpoint some of what I think matters from the report, some of what I think is just kind of fluff and doesn't actually matter and is not actually saying what maybe it's purported to have said and what people publicly and online seem to think it says and kind of reading between the lines on what we actually think the participation has been from the Cardinals on this and maybe where Nolan Arenado falls in all of this and how, yeah, it would be probably moderately simple for him to squash the entire idea and, and put a put an end to this conversation if he wanted to, but how I also don't believe he's obligated to necessarily do that. And I maybe have some different media brethren that don't agree with me on that point, but I think it makes perfect sense for Arenado to kind of feed this flame a little bit when he's asked about it, if he's been asked about it. So it's a lot of speculation that we'll be doing here, but I, I also think it's grounded in things that we do know and have reason to believe are true. But before I dive right into it, want to ask you guys real quick, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Brendan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer, if you enjoy the daily Cardinals content that we've been bringing you. This is part two of the b Shafe Daily Podcast episode from Thursday night. Uh, part one was posted earlier on the day Friday really like 1.30 in the morning on Friday, talking about the Miles Michaelis ejection. If you listen to B-Shape Daily on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you just got the entire audio podcast in one. Broke it up with two videos on YouTube because I wanted to make sure to title it appropriately so people knew what they were clicking on when they were getting into it. But for those who enjoy just the long-form podcast, subscribe to B-Shape Daily on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Everybody else, click that subscribe button. Drop your comment below as to what you think about this Arenado to the Dodgers rumor that doesn't seem to want to die as we approach the trade deadline just a few days away. Let's go ahead and get right into the LA Times article again. Jorge Castillo, the author of it, listed as a staff writer for the Los Angeles Times. And he writes that the Dodgers have engaged in talks with the St. Louis Cardinals to acquire the eight-time all-star third baseman, speaking, of course, of Arenado, according to people with knowledge of the situation, but who are not authorized to speak publicly. And you may have seen Jeff Jones of the Belleville News Democrat poke fun a little bit at the phrasing of that when he replied to a question on his Twitter account, somebody asking if he's seen the, the report, what he makes of it. 
And he said, I am someone with knowledge of the situation who is authorized to speak publicly, and they are not trading Nolan Arenado. Jeff was very uh, out front about that, saying it's just flat out not going to happen. Others you may have seen, Bob Nightingale, national reporter for USA Today, he tweeted out the chance that the Nolan Arenado would waive his no-trade clause to go to the Dodgers, 100%. And this was a claim that was made in the LA Times article. But then he said the chance that the Cardinals are going to trade Nolan Arenado anywhere at this deadline, 1%. So those are two very different numbers, and I am much lower than even 1% that this deal would actually come to fruition, and there are a lot of reasons behind that that I'll hope to be able to articulate effectively here tonight. But there it is again. The Dodgers have engaged in talks with the Cardinals to acquire Arenado, according to the, the sources that uh, this author lists in the in the article. The Cardinals could also send a starting pitcher, Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery, to the Dodgers for a package of major leaguers and prospects. Okay, so what makes sense about this? Well, the fact that the Dodgers have engaged in talks with the Cardinals to acquire Arenado, I am sure they have. But let's be clear about what that actually is saying. It's saying that the Dodgers have engaged in talks with the Cardinals. They have come to the Cardinals probably and said, hey, Arenado, we like him. What do you think? And the Cardinals have said, yeah, we're not really looking to do that, but we could send you a starting pitcher like Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery. What do you think about that? And so I think a lot of this article for the LA Times is based on this false premise that if it's enough to be reported in a newspaper, it automatically means that these talks are really close to actually producing some fruit. When in reality, you can say the Dodgers have engaged with the Cardinals in talks to acquire Arenado, and that can legitimately consist of the joke I just made about the Dodgers asking about Arenado, the Cardinals saying, yeah, we're not really looking to move him. We're looking to uh, build for 2024, and so we are looking for young pitching. When Castillo writes, the Cardinals would want young pitching in a deal. They have eyed Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, Ryan Pepio, and Emmett Sheehan in talks, according to people with knowledge of the situation. I am sure the Cardinals have eyed all of those players because they would be wonderful to acquire. But realistically, the majority of those prospects, pitching prospects in the Dodgers system, probably are a little bit more hefty than what you're going to get for just a two-month rental of Jordan Montgomery or Jack Flaherty. So... Again, I think some wires could very easily be uh, getting crossed here. Yes, the Cardinals want these players. No, they have not said we're giving up. We're willing to give Nolan Arenado for those players, right? It's it's two teams knowing what they want and kind of, it seems to me, would be my read, passing like two ships in the night where they both do have things the other want, but they're not really willing to give what the other team is hoping to give up in order to make that trade come to fruition. And then Castillo writes, a trade will also likely include the Dodgers sending Max Muncy or Chris Taylor, if not both, to St. Louis. And that's the part that just makes absolutely no flipping sense. The Cardinals have no reason to want Max Muncy, who's hitting like 198. He does have an OPS above 800. But I just, I don't understand at all what the Cardinals would have to do with Max Muncy. 32 years old. Is it really as simple as, well, he's the same age as Arenado and he could replace some of the production from Arenado, and, and you can add Chris Taylor as though the Cardinals need more utility man slash infielder types. I don't even know what Chris Taylor's numbers are this season. And I've seen some Dodgers fans say, well, that that's all kind of to even out the money a little bit. And it's like you're misunderstanding something from the Dodgers side if you really feel like 
evening out the money needs to be a priority. The Cardinals are not looking to trade Nolan Arenado. That is true. That is factual. They have it, it, it would fly completely in the face of everything that they have told the fan base over the last two or three weeks of, hey, yes, we are looking to trade short-term pitching assets, guys that are on expiring contracts, because we want to build up for 2024. And effectively, yes, that means we're punting on this season, but the standings are kind of doing that for us. And we've got these guys like Montgomery and Flaherty and should-be Hicks, barring the weird extension conversation that, again, I still don't know that there's any traction to that. All these guys should be traded for whatever we can come up with that can help us toward fixing the pitching staff in 2024. But if you're trying to contend in 2024, here's what you're not doing. Trading your best player. It just would not make sense with what John Mozeliak has prescribed. So you can write that the Dodgers have engaged the Cardinals. I'm sure it's true because John Mozeliak also said in that meeting, I said two or three weeks ago, I think it was more like a week and a half ago, the media conference that lasted about a half an hour and was basically where they waved the white flag, right? That's how we titled it on YouTube a week and a half ago. Mo has basically raised the white flag when it comes to 2023 and they're going to trade these pitchers and maybe some other guys, depending. We've heard more smoke about Paul DeYoung's name in recent days. Could be a possibility that they move him. But when asked about Goldschmidt and Arenado and whether those two guys would be on the trading block, John Mozeliak said, look, I'm not going to call anybody untouchable because there's always an offer that I could receive that would change my mind about that. And you'd say, well, we'd have to consider that. But no, we're not intending to trade Arenado and Goldschmidt. That's not what we're looking at. That's not the way we're looking to approach this deadline at all. But the thing of it is, if the Dodgers were to say, hey, all the pitchers that this dude from the LA Times listed that the Cardinals would have interest in, like Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, Ryan Pepio, Emmett Sheehan, and, you know, then you can start talking about Dustin May, and then you can add in, like, a top young hitting prospect like Miguel Vargas to replace Arenado. Now it's suddenly like, oh, well, it's getting to where if you're giving me six top 100 guys, suddenly I'm John Mosellock, I've got to at least talk about this. That would be relevant. If the Dodgers are willing to just go above and beyond in absolute insane value to the Cardinals, not talking about, oh, we need to even out the money because that's not the nature of this. The Cardinals are getting every single benefit if they're going to be swayed from their stance of we're competing for 2024 and doing everything we can to build toward that. If the Dodgers are going to use, like all these young pitchers are great, but how many of them are going to be healthy and ready to compete in the rotation in 2024 for St. Louis? Like there would be questions there. It would obviously be a huge uh, subtraction from the Cardinal lineup to trade Arenado. And so to get John Mozeliak and company, even in the mindset of considering this ludicrous idea, you're going to have to go so far above and beyond in the talent that you offer as the Dodgers. You will have to overwhelm John Mozeliak. That is what I believe is relevant information about this entire thing. If he gets a godfather offer that he can't refuse... Yeah, he then probably goes to Nolan Arenado and says, hey, would you waive the trade clause? But in this article for the LA Times, it's presented like this big smoking gun. Quote, Arenado has a full no trade clause, meaning he could block a trade to any team, but he is willing to waive the clause to play for the Dodgers and only the Dodgers, according to people with knowledge of the situation. The Southern California native is said to have always wanted to play for 
the Dodgers, and then they talk about how the Dodgers won Arenado, and it's this big love fest. That's the part of the article that really doesn't matter at all for a couple of reasons. One, we saw a report later on from Mark Feinsand who said he spoke with Arenado's agent, and the agent basically refuted the notion that, and the way this was phrased in the tweet from Feinsand got Cardinals fans pretty riled up, and they understandably didn't like it. But here's what he said. Spoke with Joel Wolf, who represents Nolan Arenado. He declined to get into specifics about the LA Times report regarding the Cardinals-Dodgers talks, but he did say the idea that Arenado would only waive his no-trade cost for the Dodgers was inaccurate. And so Cardinals fans said that, and we're like, wait a minute. He'd waive it for other teams too? How badly does this guy really want to get out of St. Louis? I think that's the wrong way to read it. I think it's interesting that it's phrased this way from the agent until you just think about it for a moment and go, why would the agency or Arenado himself be compelled to squash these rumors when the whole thing is that, yes, Nolan Arenado wants to win? Anybody who knows anything about Nolan Arenado already knows this to be true, so it should not come as a surprise. Also, those who have followed the St. Louis Cardinals this season should be aware of the fact that they are not winning, and they're not going to win this season. They're going to miss the playoffs. They're going to have a losing record. All these things are almost assured. And so if I'm Nolan Arenado and I just gave up the opportunity to opt out of a contract because I believe in St. Louis and believe in this team and that's where I want to be, but then Moselak proceeds to sign Wilson Contreras only and do nothing about the pitching all offseason, and I have an opportunity to be asked if I'd waive a no-trade clause. Like, I'm not saying that Arenado himself was the source for this article and that's why this writer for the LA Times felt comfortable enough to put it out there that Arenado would waive his no-trade clause only for the Dodgers. But if I'm Arenado and I'm asked by a reporter from Los Angeles about this and then he's working on this Dodgers trade talk story, I'm not going to go, yes, I, I, I have to shoot this down. I'm a Cardinal for life. That's the way it's going to be, and it doesn't even matter if John Moselak fix, fixes the pitching because that's just how darn bad I want to be in St. Louis. No, he's not going to say those things. I don't think he has any incentive to do so. If anything... This could all simply be read as a way for Arenado to apply more pressure to John Moselak because John Moselak has access to the LA Times, I'm sure. He could read this article just the same as anybody else. And yeah, is it weird that there wouldn't maybe then be a conversation between Mo and Arenado? Maybe there is, maybe there has been. Maybe Moselak doesn't have the the handle on this situation that, that he'd like to and doesn't go up and talk to Arenado personally. I don't know what goes on behind those closed doors and how often they have those conversations. Like Arenado said a couple of weeks ago when asked about the whole trade deadline idea and the, the notion that he could be moved. And he says, you know, me and Mo talk all the time, but he didn't really like play that up as there was this big conversation about Mo having to redirect Arenado and, and re-encourage uh, him, I guess, reinstill that this team is still heading in the right direction. Like, trust us. Arenado kind of downplayed it and said, oh, no, I mean, me and Mo talk all the time, and me and Mo are good, we're solid, but it doesn't seem like he really wanted to get into specifics about, yeah, Mo approached me and we had this big conversation about assuring me of the direction of things. Like, I don't know if that conversation took place. It was reported that something of that ilk did take place, but Arenado was definitely kind of downplaying, I thought, in the way that his comments portrayed a couple of weeks ago or 10 and a half days ago, whatever it was, the notion that, Arenado has been assured by the Cardinals that 
hey, this is a down year, but this isn't the way things are going to be, and we're going to fix it by reinvesting in the team in the offseason or whatever. Maybe that conversation took place. Maybe Arenado feels really good about it as a result, or maybe he doesn't. But the thing to remember is that it doesn't really matter. He hasn't demanded a trade, and that's sort of the way that I saw different St. Louis outlets responding to this claim from the LA Times regarding Arenado and that he would waive the no-trade clause. Derek Gould putting out there that, no, he has not told the Cardinals he would waive a no-trade, which which is, I'm sure, factual that Arenado has not told the Cardinals he would waive a no-trade. I don't imagine, though, the Cardinals have asked him. So that actually, I don't think, adds anything really substantial because it's possible that Arenado or his representation has told somebody else he would waive the no-trade. But I do think what it adds is the context that if he hasn't told the Cardinals this, it's not really far along to the extent that, like, a deal is imminent or, more importantly, he is asked to be traded. He hasn't. That much seems abundantly clear. Because if he had, then I would imagine that the Cardinals would be aware that he would waive his no trade. And so by Derek saying that he has not informed the Cardinals that he would do that, not to the Dodgers, not to anywhere, it tells you that this painting of, and it gets to this point in the article where I think Jorge Castillo, who I don't know at all, but he says at 32 years old, perhaps he doesn't see a real chance to win a World Series in St. Louis, speaking of Arenado, which like, I, how could he know that to be true? He's not demanded a trade from St. Louis. He's not asked to be traded to the Dodgers. Whatever the, the source on this was, who are not at liberty to speak publicly or whatever the guy wrote, it's not that he's told the Cardinals, I want to be traded to the Dodgers, but like if the Cardinals were in a spot where they came to Arnado and said, we've got this gigantic package that they want to give for you, would you waive it to go to the Dodgers? I bet he'd say yes, but that's not the situation that the Cardinals are in. I think this gets written up with a bunch of names that make it seem like that's an offer on the table for Arnado, and I, I bet that it's not. Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, Ryan Pepio, and Emmett Sheehan are guys that the Cardinals have eyed in talks. That could mean talks for Flaherty or Montgomery or Dylan Carlson. I mean, it could mean anything. And then I basically just outright reject, like, I don't have any insight to say that this is wrong, but the idea that the Cardinals would go, yeah, we need some Max Muncy and Chris Taylor in an Arenado trade is ludicrous. Max Muncy is 32 years old. If you're trading your best player, you're rebuilding. And you're trading Paul Goldsmith right after him. Like, it, it would be a complete about-face on what the Cardinals have said they're going to do at this deadline to build for next year. So, yeah, I'm sure the Dodgers would love Nolan Arenado. I think there's a scenario in which the Cardinals would be forced to reckon with the possibility of trading him if the Dodgers just overwhelm St. Louis with talent in an offer and say, yeah, we'll pay the whole contract because the Cardinals, again, would need to be moved in some way off of their stance of we're going forward in 2024 by adding pitching. And that means the Dodgers paying a premium on top of what would be even reasonable. This is not MLB the show where if you just line up the values on both sides and click accept, then the the computer says that's a fair trade. We do this. The Cardinals are not compelled to trade Arenado, nor should they be. So in order to get them to change their mind, you have to go way above market. You have to trade way more talent than you otherwise feel like you should. It is absolutely hilarious to watch Dodgers fans use that useless trade calculator and act like it means anything. 
First of all, I think Arnado's got negative trade value, according to that thing. It's it's useless. Stop using it if you actually think it provides value. If it entertains you to use it, then go ahead. If you think it provides any value whatsoever, it's a joke. It's useless. And while I'm not as willing to go completely on the record and say it's impossible an Arnado trade would happen, again, Jeff Jones said specifically they are not trading Arnado. And I respect him for that. He's plugged in and sourced on this. I'm going to look at it and say, look, if the Arenado trade happened, here's how it would happen. It would be because of the Dodgers overwhelming the Cardinals in a way that nobody expects. If that's not the case and I'm wrong about all this, let's spend a moment on that hypothetical because it would be a gross one, Cardinals fans. Let's say the Cardinals get a couple of good young pitchers and whatever else from the Dodgers, but it's not like a godfather offer to where this trade happens and everybody is stunned going, that's what they got for Arenado. That's because I am, again, approaching this just like I did with the Jordan Hicks conversation where it's like, okay, if it's being reported that Jordan Hicks and the Cardinals are talking extension, the only way that makes sense is if the Cardinals are about to get Jordan Hicks on a really team-friendly deal. And guess what? Several days passed, and there was no Jordan Hicks extension, which there still could be, but as of yet, there isn't one, and it's probably because the Cardinals were aiming for that kind of extension, and Jordan Hicks's camp was going, oh, well, we don't really think that's what we're worth. We can get more than that in free agency. And the Cardinals are like, you're probably right. But we are going to have to probably trade you if we don't get this extension done. You understand that because you have a lot of value right now. Again, Jordan Hicks will never have more value than this. He should be traded. He should not be extended unless it's for a ridiculously team-friendly deal. And so that was my analysis of that situation. Three days later, I still feel really good about it. We'll see how I feel about it three days from now when the trade deadline is right upon us. uh, You know, I guess three days from now will be the 31st. The deadline this year is on August 1st, and so we'll see. But the way I'm reading this Arenado situation is exactly the way I've described it. John Moselak, for a good reason, didn't say in his press conference 10 or 11 days ago, whenever that was, that I'm not trading Arenado and Goldsmith. He said, well, I never say never. What if somebody offers me like half their team and like the good half? And they take on all the money and they do everything that we could want. From a value standpoint, we probably make out ahead in that deal. So, yeah, we probably would have to consider it at that point. But that's different than saying the Cardinals are angling to move Nolan Arnato. So I'm going to read it this situation as the Dodgers would just have to go above and beyond in a way that forces the Cardinals to reckon with, hey, we did say we're going to contend, but look at this package. And it'll be able to be tweeted out, plastered out, and the Cardinals and John Mozeliak will be able to look at it and say, it stands on its own. Fans that know ball can look at it and say, we got a good deal, actually. Crazy to give up Arnato. But look at what we're going to be able to do with the extra money, and we promise we'll spend it. And then they would actually go through and spend it, and suddenly they would have a really compelling case for a reworked team around uh, a lot of younger talent. Now, that would be the way this deal happens in the reality that I'm living in. And I don't expect all those things to happen, so Arenado will be a Cardinal through this trade deadline. But by the way, don't think this means absolutely nothing. I could see a scenario where I mentioned applying the pressure to John Mozeliak and, and to Bill DeWitt as well, if we're honest, because he's got to sign off on Mozeliak's ability to spend the money that they're going to need to spend to get in some legitimate arms into this rotation. You make a run at Aaron Nola. You make a run at the guy from Japan that's posting. You make a run at whoever else is a free agent that's an elite starter. I know you're going to say Otani, but this is still Bill DeWitt we're talking about, so I don't think Otani's happening. 
but you spend the money and you you make right on what you portrayed to Arenado would be the case that you're going to be a winning team with him and he's going to be the centerpiece of it. But if you're Arenado and you've endured this season so far, but you still kind of believe and you've, your, your faith is not completely shaken, but you're asked by these re- reporters, you're bombarded. Again, I don't know that Arenado's told anybody nothing for this story. I don't know that to be the case. But if it gets leaked out there, they're like, yeah, Arenado wouldn't mind, you know, waving his no trade for the Dodgers. He's from that area. He loves Dodger Stadium, whatever. He would, you know, he'd potentially do that. Okay. That should make the Cardinals feel a certain kind of way. And if you're Arenado, don't you want them to feel some pressure? So maybe it's just that simple that he is allowing these things to kind of go unchecked for a little bit to make the Cardinals uh, and Moselec squirm. And I think Cardinals fans would be actually in favor of that because they want Moselec to be uncomfortable. They want him to feel like he's got to to act and to sign guys and to make moves that make the team better. So if that's all it is, then honestly, kudos to Arenado, which is why I don't agree that he should necessarily come out and put put the squash to it and say, no, none of these rumors are true. I'm a Cardinal. I don't think it benefits him to say that. So from his standpoint, I get it. It would benefit the Cardinals and their fans to not have to like worry about this over the next four days. But I think in four days, this will have all passed and all that will remain is the memory that John Mozeliak has of, wow, that wasn't fun. I didn't really know where I stood with our best player. Better make sure not to have him feel that way in 12 months from now because the next time he might be demanding a trade. If 2024 goes the same way through the first half of the year, yeah, I would say Arnado would be well within his right to demand out. Maybe he would be within his right right now if he sees the writing on the wall and doesn't like what he sees. But I don't think that's the situation. He is repeatedly, you can go back to the conversation with Derek Gould at the All-Star break where he posted that video on the STL Today website and he has reiterated it to reporters here since that he wants to be in St. Louis and that's not, that all this trade stuff is not really something he's thinking about. But let me do the hypothetical that I said would make Cardinals fans uncomfortable. Let's say he is traded and the package is not this overwhelming godfather offer that I have been describing. What would that situation mean? It would mean that John Moselock should not be allowed, nor should Bill DeWitt be allowed to spin it at that point. You don't trade your best player as a result of your own negligence to fix the pitching and say, well, we got two pitching prospects that really could help us solidify this rotation. And hey, it's actually a good thing because we get to save a bunch of money on Arenado, which is just, you know, the exact spin that I think Bill DeWitt would love to, to hear. You think the payroll is low now with Arnado? What happens if they just shed all of his money and don't meaningfully replace it? Which I'm sure they'd sign some guys. But anybody you're going to hope to sign in free agency, I can tell you what, he's less good at baseball than Nolan Arenado. Period. But there would not be, it would just not be allowable for John Moselak if he does retain his job after bungling having one of the best players in baseball and, and being able to build around that guy through his prime years because he's still 32 years old and I think he will be in his prime for at least two to three more seasons based on what I've seen from him and the work ethic and all that all that good stuff. There would be no spin that should be allowable by Cardinals fans. Anybody in the media that wouldn't just eviscerate John Mozeliak. I told somebody today, if they did that, I would go scorched earth. If they trade him for a modest package because... You know, the Dodgers said, we'll take the money, we'll, we'll eat the money. 
which is like, eat the money. It's not a bad contract. It's a very reasonable contract for a player that's at the top of his game still. But if, if it ends up being that situation and the, they do trade him and the package is underwhelming, like they get maybe a Gavin Stone or one of those other pitching prospects, but instead of getting like four of them, they get two of them. And they're like, well, we got Mac, we had to take Max Muncy back. And he almost kind of replicates Arenado's production offensively with a with an OPS that's only like 50 points lower. And now Jordan Walker gets to move to his natural position of third base. And we fix the pitching as a result, we think. Like you could spin that in so many different ways and have a lot of good things to say about it. And I can promise you, if such a deal took place, John Mozeliak would be doing that spin. Not one person in this hypothetical world that I just want you to live in with me for a moment, just so I can be clear where I stand on this, not one person should allow that to to go unchecked. It should be all off-season, four months of articles and podcasts and radio hits where people go, yep, John Mozeliak sold y'all a bill of goods, and you should be really upset about that. Again, if the reason they trade Arenado, which is not going to happen, but if it's because the Dodgers just go crazy and they give you all of those top pitching prospects and a couple of young hitters and they pay the money, a true godfather offer that you can't say no to, even though it would then likely force you to go to Goldschmidt and say, hey, you probably want to be in a spot where you can win sooner, right? Because you're 36 and, you, you know, turning 36, I think, in September. And it's one of those deals where you could see it from goalie's perspective to say, hey, if you guys are going to be elite in 2025, but my contract's up in 2024, maybe it would be best to trade me. I think you'd have to ship Goldschmidt out right behind Arenado, almost no matter the circumstances of what you get back in return. So that, to trade your two best players, would signal that the Cardinals are probably tapped out at a ceiling of like 80 wins next year. Like, yeah, they could have just all the young guys produce, and and maybe I'm wrong in their playoff caliber team. And that does sound like the kind of thing that the Cardinals front office and ownership would like to bet on and convince you is a really good idea. But I'm just, I want to make sure I am out publicly with this take before anything should take place. Which, again, I placed it on the big show this afternoon at a .001% chance that Arenado was traded before this deadline. Like, I flat out reject that it could happen. I don't think it's going to happen. That's basically where I was before this LA Times article came out, but I'm leaving the small crevice of opportunity for it to take place with the mindset that it would just be the Dodgers doing something that's ridiculously dumb. For a team that, like, at the major league level has trouble getting their rotation together this year, that they would trade all of these pitching prospects, like the amount that it would take for the Cardinals to consider punting essentially on 2024 to be really loaded and have all those young players emerge by 2025. I just think it would be so far-fetched that the Dodgers would do that. Now, granted, they might just want a World Series so bad that they would say, hey, we'd have Arenado the rest of this year, and the Cardinals will send us Montgomery and, and, and Flaherty too, and then our rotation short-term is fixed like it's the biggest blockbuster of the deadline. I guess all those things are possible. But I just wanted to make sure that I was clear on a couple of things. As I've analyzed this situation, I still maintain Arenado will not be traded. If he is traded, I want to make sure that it it's out there that, yeah, I say it's got to be for a King's ransom and you're not haggling over the Cardinals paying some of the salary and you're not, I mean, it's just a dream deal for the Cardinals where you look at it on paper and you go, yep, I get why they had to do it. If it's not that deal, I'm out here loud and proud saying John Moselec shouldn't get away with that. 
if he's wanted the credit for all these years for making the Arenado deal with Colorado in the first place, which was a great deal, as was the Goldschmidt trade with Arizona, if you if you kind of complain when you don't feel like the media gives you a fair shake or the fan base gives you a fair shake on putting those deals together, but then everything culminates in a 2023 that has just been a disaster and you built it, you don't get to then turn around and trade Arnado and spin it to everybody why it's a good thing. So just remember that I said these things. If the impossible should happen, y'all will know already where I stand as somebody that covers this team. It should flat out not be allowable for John Mozeliak and the Cardinals to do that. No amount of revisionist history, no amount of spin. It would be... I saw this from Corey Miller, who uh, works for uh, KSDK, Channel 5. And he said, I, I plan for this to be my only tweet about it, but basically he said there should be riots in the streets, I, I think. Let me make sure I don't get Corey misquoted here. And Corey's a great follow as well with good Cardinals thoughts, good St. Louis sports thoughts. But here was Corey's tweet. I want to make sure to read it because I thought it well reflected the point that I'm trying to make here. He said, I plan on this being my only tweet about Nolan Arenado slash deadline shenanigans. If the STL cards did trade him, they should have a full-fledged fan revolt on their hands. Couldn't have said it better myself, Corey. That is kind of what I want to indicate. Let's have this as an anchor point. It's almost like you're talking to your future self. And I'm talking to my future self to remind me like, hey, when John Mozeliak tries to spin this thing, that's not going to happen. But let's think for a moment if it did. When the spin comes out, do not buy the spin. The spin will be wrong almost regardless of the way this goes down. And maybe that's unfair of me because John Mozeliak isn't considering an Arenado trade, and so I, I didn't need to say this in the first place. But I am just putting this time capsule, this safeguard in place to where it's uh, nobody will be confused. You trade Nolan Arenado at this deadline as the St. Louis Cardinals. You have hoodwinked and bamboozled an entire fan base and, and fed them a bill of goods on what your intentions are for this team. Unless you can look at it on paper and say, hey, the return the Cardinals got for Arenado is truly insane. Mo, that this is the type of offer that the very reason that you don't call anybody untouchable because sometimes a crazy team just might do this. If that is where it ends up, we'll have that conversation. But make sure it's clear what that means. I'm talking every top pitching prospect and Miguel Vargas and, you know, we're continuing to add ands until it just gets completely overwhelming. Nobody thinks the Dodgers are going to make that deal. So, therefore, if Arnauto gets traded, this is the time capsule. There should be riots from the fans, and there should not be one media person that doesn't call out. Like, you don't even have to be subtle about it at that point. I've, I've maintained trust in Mozeliak through this process where I have said on radio shows and in this podcast that I actually believe Cardinals fans might not buy it, but I actually believe Mozeliak will do the right things at this deadline and will put the Cardinals in position to make the run that they should make in 2024 as a result of this trade deadline and what he's able to accomplish in the upcoming winter. I have mentally put myself there. I'm intrigued to see the way it plays out. Hasn't been really much action yet for the Cardinals while teams around the league are making moves. So time is kind of of the essence here for Mosaic over the next four days. But I actually just have a weird kind of zen about, yep, yeah, Mo is going to, to do what he needs to do. And on August 1st or August 2nd, when we're looking back at the deadline, we'll give him some credit and say, yep, yeah, he did what he needed to do. 
and then we wait to see what he does in the winter to truly reshape the Cardinals' pitching staff and rotation and bullpen and things like that. But if things don't begin to kind of turn around, I will regret having said that. Because the weird smoke screens in the media about is Hicks going to get an extension or is Flaherty going to get an extension? That's not a thing. Like, they need to trade these players and they need to get good value for them. But they don't need to be talking about Nolan Arenado with the Dodgers. And I don't really think they are. Like, again, I'm just putting all this out there as a hypothetical to say, if it should come to pass in a certain way, here's how you can look forward to Brendan Schaefer reacting to it in his coverage of this team. But I don't think there's a chance of it happening. I do not think John Moselak could stomach and try to legitimately, with a straight face, sell it to the fan base and sell it to the media that this is actually a good thing, trading Arenado. So, as a result, I'm just putting my thinking cap on. I'm, an, I'm analyzing the situation and saying, it's probably not going to happen. It's not going not gonna to play out that way. But let me know what you think. Again, we've done this Arenado episode within the past week, but this LA Times stuff, I couldn't just ignore it because I think it's one of the biggest things being discussed in the fan base. But it's a crazy deadline, and the Cardinals haven't even really gotten involved yet. So let me know what you think. Comment below on YouTube, and make sure you guys are subscribed. Holy smokes. We've got four days, basically, until the trade deadline, and there's going to be constant Cardinals content coming your way from this channel. Constant Cardinals content. Say that five times fast. Hit that subscribe button. Click like on this video. Leave your comment below. I want to know where you are with this or another thing, because I've seen an alarming amount of fans basically say, eh, I could see it. You know, if he's 32 years old and you would get to shed the salary, uh, that's more faith in John Mosellock than I have to say it would be good to trade Arenado because I trust that they'll get the right package in return and that they'll spend the money appropriately that they do save by having Arenado go. I, that's not a world that I live in, but let me know where you are, Cardinals fans. Like, I'll, I'll need to do my best to respect everybody's views on this, but I think Cardinals fans are selling themselves short if just a, a, a few years of Arenado is going to be enough for you before you go, yeah, it's just the nature of the game. We had a bad year, and so it's okay if they if they want to trade him. Again, Arenado can ask for a trade. He hasn't done that. So whether Arenado would waive a trade clause, a no-trade clause to the Dodgers is immaterial. The Cardinals aren't looking to trade him. Until the such time that they are, then that becomes a conversation. But don't let anybody paint it as Arenado once out of St. Louis when he hasn't told them that he wants to waive the no-trade clause for anybody. And this is outside speculation that you could... Label a fishing expedition if you wanted to, and I would agree that that's a lot of what you're getting from the LA Times today. Who will be correct? Who will be proven to have some egg on their face, perhaps, if things don't go away that we expect? Listen, I'm out here loud and proud and public about covering this team and kind of analyzing what I think. So if I end up being in the wrong on this, that's why I've had to lay this Easter egg, this little time capsule to say, hey, look, I'm so certain in the way I'm approaching this. I won't tell you for sure he's not getting traded. I'll tell you, it's very, very unlikely, and if it happens, you will want to be subscribed to my YouTube channel because I I imagine it will be four straight months in the offseason of, can you believe John Mozeliak? Holy smokes. So let me know what you think about the Arenado stuff. Let me know what you think about the channel and what you'd like to see from the YouTube channel moving forward. I know some people are looking for more live streams. They'll be coming. We'll definitely do like a trade deadline recap uh, and potentially some live streams as we react to certain trades. We just got to cross our fingers that Brennan Schaefer's internet, again with the third person, that my internet doesn't screw me over and screw over Cardinals fans because I'd love to be having these conversations with you guys live, but sometimes, I I, I mean, it's 2.20 in the morning right now, and I just have to make sure 
we get these podcasts out so that you guys can consume them. I've rambled on long enough. Listen to the full podcast on Spotify. This is over an hour of Cardinals content when you count the Michaelis stuff with the Arenado stuff. Two separate videos on YouTube. Make sure to check them both out. DM me on Twitter at pshafer12. Anything more you want to know? I've tried to basically lay my thoughts out. If there's an angle I forgot on this, ask me about it, and I'll try to address it in some more videos over the weekend. Thank you guys so much, though, for listening. That's going to do it for this edition of the show, and we will talk to you next time on Shave Daily. Peace.